open up your Bibles. Um, it's amazing what the Bible teaches about the heart. Anybody who gives their life to the Lord, the Bible said you have a new spirit in you, and he gives you a new heart, but when it talks about a new heart, it's really the influence upon your heart because of your spirit. Because all through the Bible, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, the heart is something that we individually are directly connected with the responsibility of and so on. In other words, my heart is not left up to God and it's not just all left up to me to do something about. And another side thought, Remember this, when we talk about the heart, we're not talking about the physical blood-pumping heart, okay? So when you come here and somebody said, do you have a new heart? And you're like, well, I thought I had the old one, the same one I had. This is not about the body of the person. This is really the core way you process, the core way that you have attitudes, all that type of things, it really has to do with the will. And so Mark 10, we'll begin reading some verses Jesus talked about concerning the heart. And uh, don't always come to conclusions when I start reading a Bible verse, okay? Because I know sometimes people come to a conclusion and they start thinking wrong because really they've been trained to think a certain way. And some of it might be right, and some of it might be real religious. You with me? So, Mark 10, and we are going to begin reading in verse 5. Some people had asked Jesus about divorce. And, you know, is it okay for people to divorce? Here's the thing. The religious people constantly tried to trap Jesus. See, because they looked at Jesus and they recognized this guy is always helping people. He's always merciful. He's always loving. But they looked at certain scriptures like, you know, this one, if you get a divorce, you're dead meat. So they're like, we're going to trap him. We're going to get him. Because they figured, well, Jesus is going to say, yeah, it's okay. And then they're going to go, well, Moses said this. And the issue is they just didn't know God's character and God's love and all this different stuff. So they tried to trap him. And then Jesus makes an interesting statement here. We'll start instead of verse 5. We'll kind of read it in its setting. Uh, verse 2, the Pharisees came and asked him, meaning Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? They're trying to trap him. And he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? And when he's talking about Moses, he's talking about the law, the first five books of the Bible. And he said, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted man to write a certificate of divorcement and dismiss her. Well, what does that mean? In the beginning, God wanted husbands and wives to stay together for life, but then God said, you know, and permitted Moses to do a divorce. And it says in verse 5, so that would be, and dismiss her, the condition would be one of them was maybe cheating on the other one, and so he said then, you know, then that's how it should be permitted. 
and so verse 5 says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Now, God's original intent would have been for a man and woman to stay together forever. But he said right in the middle, he said, there is permission because of this called the hardness of heart. And so we're going to talk about the condition of the heart. And, uh, you know, is the condition of your heart always the same? Can it change? Do you have a place in it? Now, we understand God forgives and God's merciful. And so it doesn't mean that, well, you know, if you get a divorce, you're done with God. That's the furthest thing from the truth. But he makes the statement, God gave permission to do this because people's hearts are hard or different people have an issue with hardness of heart. In other words, what he's saying is if it is for adultery or something like that, then the person who committed that sin at that time was hard-hearted. They were. Amen. I didn't say they are now. I think I got everybody's attention. But when they commit that act, they're hard-hearted. What does it mean to be hard-hearted? It means you set yourself against God, His things, His ways. And so what he did, or she did, was at that time they had cultivated a hard heart to where they were like no to God's command and no to what God wanted, and then they stepped and acted in a way that they shouldn't have. And so Jesus said, in this writing, the issue here is the heart. It's a condition of the heart. And so does this mean that if somebody's got a heart condition that's not good, it's always going to be not good? Or if somebody's got a good heart, you know, because Jesus recognized people. You know, like one guy, he said, in you there's no guile. He noticed his heart attitude. He noticed him. Does that mean he was always going to be like that or somebody was always bound to be one way? We're going to look at signs of a hard heart and then things to do that are commanded to remedy it. Now, when your spirit gets brand new... We're not talking about new life. Every believer has the identical, same new eternal life in their spirit. But how it functions through them, how things work in their life, even though they have God's life in them, how things function are a heart issue. And a heart issue is something you can deal with. You ready? Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Hey, it would be good to know these things because if Jesus and the Bible assigned, you know, certain activities to being a heart issue and then gave answers to remedy the heart 
and fix our hearts, so to speak, as a believer, then we need to look at what to do because we could go, wow, that's a danger side. This action attitude that I have, this isn't good. Or, hey, this is good. And this is the way I'm going to go because here's the thing. What I really walk in with God is a heart issue. So I want my heart to be in the right place. And I want it to be right. And I believe people can be uh, hard-hearted in some areas and not others. But the issue is we need to know what they are. Or we could live our whole life and be hindering our own selves. You with me? I would think... I shouldn't speak for everybody, but I would think everybody would want to fix what could be fixed if they have some part to play, right? I mean, if you get food at a restaurant and it's not salty, you want to fix it, right? No, most people don't. You're just like, I'll just eat it, doesn't matter. No, I've been around enough people that go, I don't like this. Needs more of this or less of that. So Ephesians, the fourth chapter, let's begin reading here in the 32nd verse. And be kind to one another. Let's just stop right there. Be kind to a few people. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. He gives the standard here of being kind, which we know the first thing about love, it says love is patient, love is kind. And then we see here another attribute of love, of forgiving. And then he said, be tenderhearted. In other words, don't just be so harsh and hard on people. quiet in here. Don't be so harsh and hard on people. Be tender hearted. People make mistakes. You make them. I make them. Uh, It's not something I'm proud of, but we don't need to exalt ourselves and think, well, what's their problem? It's the same problem we all face, right? But he basically tells you to be tender-hearted, and he tells you things that lead toward being tender-hearted. One thing you could see real clear if you back away from the page right here, where he says, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. He makes this statement, even as God. Even as God. Who is not tender-hearted? Who is hard-hearted? Who is not kind? Who is unmerciful? The devil. He's not kind to you. He didn't got your back. He's not for you. And so you could see this is an attribute that really tends toward God and not the enemy. So when we're kind, so if I recognize myself not being kind, I need to work on that. And I can grow in kindness because technically, if I'm born again, 
the new life I have and you have is a nature of love that came from God. It's not in your head. It's not in your feelings, but it's in your spirit. So you need to start training yourself to be kind. And you know what? If you're really not kind, it's a process. That's okay. That's okay. So I'm going to work to be kind. And I know this that's a failure for people when they go to the gym. They work out real hard for about two or three days. They're hurting so bad, and they look in the mirror and go, well, forget this. This is not working. No, it is very much working, but it is very much a process. I, fine, I'm just going to church, and I'm eating more donuts than everybody on that fellowship Sunday. No, it's a process, and it's an exercise to retrain your heart. You know, the Bible talks about a heart trained in selfish practices. When I practice something, I train my heart. So what I need to do is start training my heart to be kind. How do I train it? By acting that way to people. Not allowing myself, if I'm used to just having unkind thoughts, to stay. So he said, and be kind, tender-hearted. Not harsh, not hard forgiving. These are all attributes of being tender-hearted. If I'm not a good forgiver, my heart is hard toward God and His things. Well, I'll just tell you what, but you don't know how many times he didn't ask how many times they did it. Remember the disciples? They asked that question, well, how many times should you forgive them, Lord? Because they're like, well, you know, we've done this quite a bit, like seven times already today. And he's like, um, seven times 70? They're like, great, increase our faith. What did they know about faith? This is a good question. What did the disciples know about faith? They were constantly around Jesus, and uh, whenever a miracle occurred, lots and lots of times, he would say, it happened because of your faith. Your faith made you whole. Be it unto you according as you have believed. And so he attributed the connection of man to a miracle with personal faith in the Lord. And so they said, increase our faith. One thing we do know is faith is of the heart. Faith is an attitude of the heart. Because the Bible said what the heart man believes. So they said, well, we need some heart adjustment if we're going to forgive this many times. But Jesus did not say, yeah, we'll just fix this. He told them, get to work, start forgiving. And their hearts would grow in love. They would become tender toward God. So when I rid myself of bitterness and start forgiving as a practice... This means I may have to start looking at some of this and be careful what I'm listening to. Because there are things out there that will teach you not to forgive, not to be kind. People out there that will teach you don't be kind, don't be forgiving, don't be tender. But then when I'm not tender-hearted, this doesn't mean you're a sissy, but when I'm not tender-hearted, then I'm hard-hearted. That affects me. Notice this, Mark, the 8th chapter. 
Mark 8. Look at a couple of things here concerning the heart. What do we do? If we want to grow more tender in our hearts, one area we've got to grow in, we could see it plain and clear, is the area of love, forgiving, patience, kindness, how I treat other people. And it's an exercise. And uh, it won't just happen automatically. But you know, you can get better and better at it. And the better you are at it, the more tender your heart is. The worse you are at it, the more hard your heart is. That doesn't mean you're not saved. But Jesus and the Bible are plain that out of your heart is how things flow and how things work in life. So Mark the 8th chapter, and we'll begin reading in the 15th verse. He said, take heed or give attention. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So what is leaven? It's what goes into bread and makes it just expand and start getting puffy. And uh, so Jesus said to them, be careful. And then it said, they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have brought no bread. Jesus was talking about, be careful about false teaching, different types of teachings that are out there, because they'll get in you and grow and take you over. They'll get in you and affect you. But they're totally thinking natural, going, ah, the problem is, they weren't figuring out what he was saying. So they're like, the problem is, we're going to be going and buying bread from them and buying bread from them. It's because we didn't bring bread. That's why natural bread, you know, I think they had brought like one loaf. That's our problem here. Ah, we don't have enough bread, natural bread. What do and then we're going to have to rely on these people to get it. And so it says in verse 16, So they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Verse 17, But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive or grasp and understand? Is your heart still hardened? We're talking about bread here, Jesus. <laughs> We're talking about bread here, Jesus, and you're talking about a hard heart? What? Wait a minute, I thought you were... We're confused, Jesus. What do you mean, a hard heart? And We're talking about bread. This is great. I mean, we got donuts in the lobby. The people are out there and like, would you like another donut? And you're like, I want another donut. They're like, are you yet hard-hearted? I, I don't, I'm not, uh, well, um, am I? I wasn't. What is this hard-heartedness when he's talking about bread? And he said, having eyes, verse 18, do you not see? And he's not talking about natural eyes. And having ears, and he's not talking about natural ears. Do you not hear? And he said this, and do you not remember? So he's talking to them about hard-heartedness. Now, they're thinking it's, it's about natural bread. Jesus was trying to tell them, be careful of false teaching. But Jesus addresses their misguided idea. 
In other words, it's because we didn't bring natural bread. Well, he was basically warning them about spiritual teachings. And then he pulls them back because they're like, oh, it's because we didn't bring bread. And he said, are you guys hard-hearted? You know what he was actually addressing here? Why don't you believe in miracles? Why don't you believe in me working? Why don't you believe in God intervening in your circumstances? Why don't you believe God can help you right now? Why don't you realize this? What happened was the reason he called them hard-hearted was because in their life, they didn't factor God's ability. They forgot how big God was, the miracles God performed, all that they had seen, all that they had witnessed, all that they had read about in the Old Testament. They weren't perceiving. God's a miracle-working God. He made manna. He did all this stuff. He said, don't you see? Don't you hear? Don't you get? You're not hearing and seeing right. He said, do you not remember? When we forget and don't think about how big God is and we don't factor Him into life, and his ability, that is a sign we're hard-hearted. Why? Because we don't got no bread. What are we going to do? We don't have the ability in ourselves. What are we going to do? We're in trouble. That's being hard-hearted. So you know what Jesus did to try to help them with their hard-heartedness? He immediately said, because remember, the last thing he said in verse 18, do you not remember? So what does he start doing Because he said, this is a key that you guys are hard-hearted. You don't even think and factor in God's ability. You just look at yourself. It's because we didn't bring bread. We should have brought bread. And he said, you're hard-hearted. You don't remember. You don't grasp my ability and God's ability working through me. So what does he do? He tries to solve their hard-heartedness by reminding them of what God has just done. Notice, he said, do you not remember verse 19, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? Notice he didn't answer. You think he didn't know? You don't think he didn't know? I'm, I'm, can you help me out, guys? No, he totally knew. But you know what? They had forgotten. They weren't factoring in God's ability. Listen, we broke five loaves among 5,000 and they were fed. Let me ask you this. How many baskets were left over? And so he made them answer, 12. Yes, teacher, 12. Also, verse 20, when I broke the seven... For the 4,000, how many large baskets? Notice they were different. He said 12 baskets. Now he describes the baskets and said large baskets. Are you factoring God into your life based on what you see in his word and maybe what you've experienced in his goodness working? And so he said, full of fragments, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? Notice, you took them up before and you took them up this time. You were involved in this miracle. You saw how it worked. 
What's he trying to do? Hey guys, how many times have we heard of a person here get healed of cancer, get healed of a growth? Serious, different things. What does that matter? There's a word full of it too. People have been healed of many things. But when people get into trouble, it's amazing how they forget those things. And then they talk to them about the person. Oh, yeah, I know a person who had a problem with their knee. They had to cut their leg off at the hip. <laughs> oh, I knew somebody. and they, Yeah, they had a bad toe, and they, they had to amputate him from the waist down. But they're really cheerful today and glad because they get a front row parking. You ever notice when you're going through something, who sings what? Some people supernaturally from the devil. You know, that happens. Even good people will say stuff that's not God. Peter did one time. Jesus is facing going to the cross. And then Peter said, not so, Lord, I won't let you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't talking to Peter. But Peter was yielding to something and saying something. How many times have people been going through a bad time People don't even know you're going through a bad time, and they start talking about stuff. Be careful. And be careful what you accept. Well-meaning people have said some stuff that, that wasn't good. Amen. And verse 20 said also, how many? And so at the end it said, they said seven. So he said to them, how is it? that you do not understand. I'm not talking about natural bread here, guys. If we come up short, you're hard-hearted in this matter. We can get a miracle. We can have God work, and this will go on, and this will happen. You're not factoring him. But then he went on and, you know, in other places described what this really meant. But isn't it interesting? He basically said, you're hard-hearted, and then he reminded them so their hearts would be tender towards God's ability to work. You know why we need to read our Bibles for ourselves and read the miracles that are in there and read how God worked and how God convicted so we don't get hard-hearted and say, boy, it's real hard for him to do that today. No, it's not hard for him to do that today. It's our own heart that hinders him. God's limitless with power. All things are possible with God. But then he said, be it unto you according as you have believed or can believe. He said, if you're able, it can be. But how many people don't realize that as a believer, we can have eternal life, but we can be hard-hearted at the same time and not even realize that there are solutions. And one of them is, you know, don't be closed out to God being a miracle-working God. Don't think these things are just passed away because they're not. And don't think that love doesn't matter and how patient or kind I am. This is going over well. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. So what would be good for us to remember miracles? That's why Jesus brought it up. God still performs the miracle of salvation, you know, recreating a person, but all kinds of other things. They're ours. Hebrews, the third chapter. You with me? And I'm trying, as we read, it seems good to show you both sides. And if you'll notice, 
in Mark 8, and you can turn there to Hebrews because I'm going to make this statement once we're there so you can hear it with your ears. We all know this, though Jesus called them hard-hearted, how many of you know those guys in the boat had a future miracle ministry? All of them. All of them. Well, but one. But he hung himself. Judas. He betrayed the Lord. But how many of you know those guys had future miracle ministries? So they weren't bound to that condition, but he gave them a solution. How do you think about it, guys? You're not remembering right. And so he gave them an answer. Notice this in Hebrews 3, 7, and we'll begin reading through to about, I think, the 10th verse. The third chapter, 7th verse. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, here's another area that we need to be tender-hearted in. Tender-hearted in the love area, tender-hearted in the miracle area. And how do we get tender-hearted? Well, we practice loving. We grow in it. We practice thinking right. We grow in it. But look at this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear His voice, how many believers hear His voice? Well, you don't even have to answer. If you're saved, the 12th chapter says all of God's children are dealt with. So he said, well, I don't hear his voice. At some time, you've heard the Lord deal with you. Not a, hey, dude, or dudette if you're a girl. <laughs> you know, but you just know, don't do that. <clears throat> or, you know, I need to do that. Right? You've been there, or you're not saved. We've all been there. But notice he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you'll hear his voice, he said, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness. What's he talking about? He's talking about the children of Israel. When they came out of Egypt, they were directed out by God, and now they're in the wilderness, and they were supposed to go into this promised land, but it was called the trial in the wilderness, the trying time. It should have only lasted maybe 10 days. It lasted 40 years, their whole lives. You know why? Because they hardened their hearts. And he tells us, don't harden your heart. How did they harden their heart? And how is he saying for us not to harden our heart or to make our hearts tender? It's real simple. He said, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart, as in the day of rebellion, where your fathers tested me, tried me, saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was not pleased with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. They just didn't experience what they could. So I swore in my wrath, because I was not pleased with that, they will not enter into my rest. What was it that they did that he's telling us not to do that makes for a hard heart or a tender heart? And you'll be able to prove right now whether you're hard-hearted or tender-hearted whenever the Lord deals with you, and not like trying to figure out if it's the Lord, when you just know. How many of you have wondered, is this the Lord or not? I have. 
and I'll pray about it and pray about it. And there's times later on I went, that wasn't him. I was up more in my head. But then there have been times I've just known that I've known that I've known inside, this is the Lord dealing with me about this. When that opportunity is presented to us, we have an opportunity to make our hearts tender or hard. By what? Praying? Will you all pray for me that I'll obey? No. That'd be like you going to the gym and saying, uh, you guys, I'm going to the gym. Pray I lift weights. <laughs> what? Hey, will you lift weights for me? No, I can only lift weights for myself and it will benefit me. And here's the thing, being a preacher, I have to do this too. I'm not exempt from this. I've looked at my own life in the past and went, ooh, I was not tenderhearted right there. And I had to change. And it wasn't always easy. Woo-hoo. Oh, because you thought this verse said, oh yeah, and it'll be easy. If it was easy, these millions of people would not have probably failed. But does it make it so hard nobody can? No, because he would not have done such a thing. Really what it comes down to is selfishness, whether I do or don't. And that is a hard issue of love. Well, this is going over well. But listen, he said, they tested me. He said, don't harden your heart. What was the hardening of the heart? When they knew to do something, they chose not to. What is tenderizing your heart? It sounds like a, one of those mallets and meat. You know, not like that. But what makes your heart softer and more tender toward God? When presented with the opportunity of obedience, I choose the one that he is asking. And if I don't, no matter who's dogging me to do it or not, it's on me. And if I do it, tender. And if I don't, more hard or more tender. This is why you can see it's not just one event of disobedience. It's a practice. You with me? Hello? And so, what do I do? I'm doomed. No, you're not. You just start obeying where you know. You guys with me? Let's look at one more area. Turn to 1 Corinthians. So, I do want to say this. I don't believe God is mad at people when they do this. You know, and they go wrong and they willfully don't but he teaches us these things so that we can recognize this is a heart issue and the way to solve it is not okay i'm going to pray god fix my heart uh no it's not an issue of fix my heart it's a matter of what me obeying the lord me obeying the lord Are you obeying the Lord? Or have you persistently said no? And I don't mean just said no, because you can say no and do it, or say yes and not do it. It's an issue of doing it. As I do it, I get tender. 
When I get tender, my life opens to God inwardly. When it opens to God, his things can flow in me and out of me and through me. How many people do not realize that this is a core teaching of the Bible? And he said, my sheep know my voice, and we know his word, and so you'll have to come back next week to get the next parts. We'll see who's tender-hearted. Somebody's like, I got to be there. No, it's a practice. You get what I'm saying? It's not to sound hard or mean or anything like that. It's just practical, but it will open you up. There are loads of scriptures that talk about the parameters and the way you live life with God to its fullest or not are determined and is determined by your heart. Remember, Proverbs 4 said, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. The way the Hebrew reads is the parameters of your life. If your life is restricted in God or full in God. It's determined by me and for me and determined by you for you. That's why we train up a kid in the way he should go so that they can have the fullest life too. And then maybe we didn't know better, but we train up ourselves. You with me? And we can train ourselves to become obedient people and to respond.